How are we doing? Cold. Uh, first off, I want to uh, apologize or let you know. Uh, so we have a boiler here at church. It got started a little late this morning. So it's, you can hear it just slowly warming the atmosphere up. Uh, so if you are cold, uh, feel free to keep your jacket on uh, or just go hug a radiator and uh, that will be plenty hot for you. Um, a couple things. That clothing drive for Rescued and Redeemed, it's going uh, we're just going to keep that box down there. So uh, if you haven't had a chance to, to bring in clothes this week, go ahead, bring in clothes next week, the week after, the week after, the week after. It's kind of an ongoing thing that we want to do uh, to help support them. Uh, life groups are starting. Um, we have our college age group, and then we have our emotionally healthy uh, spirituality course. And, and, and the whole purpose of that course, uh, it's written from a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. If you want to check it out, it's right here. But it's a course that talks about our emotional lives and our spiritual lives go together. And we often don't put them together. And so what happens is you could have your spiritual life growing, but it will actually be stunted in its growth or become really dysfunctional because you haven't grown the emotional side of who you are. And vice versa. Your emotional side, you could be the most self-aware person on the, in the universe and not be growing in your spirituality, and that could also hinder your emotional growth. So uh, he, go, he puts these two things together, and the whole course is kind of talking about that. And the first chapter basically talks about all the ways that he failed. He's a pastor, and he talks about how he failed uh, at his emotional growth. He was kind of stuck back in a childlike state emotionally. And there was actually a point as pastor when his own wife said, I'm no longer going to attend your church because it is dysfunctional. The way we escape being dysfunctional is we grow our emotional health along with our spiritual health, and we bring those two things together. So I invite you uh, to join us, take the course. I think it will be life-changing for you. We started this uh, series called Habits. And uh, I like that, the bumper that we have, because it illustrates something. Right? It illustrates, uh, I think it's called geometric or exponential growth. Like how can one small domino, when you hit it, and it creates momentum, it creates speed, it builds in its power to be able to knock over something more than double its size. There's science and physics involved with that, Right? It's momentum, it's force, it's all those things. I was not a physics major, so I don't know all the terms, but some of you would explain that much better than I can. But here's the principle or the illustration behind it, and we talked about it last week. Whatever you do daily, whatever you watch, whatever you say, whatever you read, whatever you think on, whatever actions you do daily become and determine who you become permanently. We asked the question last week that, that maybe when we start this discussion on habits, 
your first question shouldn't be, what do I want to do? What do I want to accomplish? What do I want to achieve? That's naturally where we all go. But maybe the question should be, who do I want to be? And then figure out what you need to do to get to who you want to be. Because that's the most important thing. We can do all these things. We, we can achieve all of this. We can produce all of this. But if it doesn't bring us to who we want to be, we'll find ourselves bankrupt. We know this in life, right? Uh, working out is a good example. If you go and work out today, like you do the hardest workout you've ever done, you're over in the corner trying not to throw up because you've worked so hard, you're so sore, you've lift all that you can possibly lift, and then you go home, what will happen? Will you see a difference? No. You might see a slight difference in the first hour or two, But later that day, you'll look in the mirror and go, I don't look any different than I did before. Does that mean that working out didn't work? Does that mean that working out that day didn't accomplish anything? No. But if your goal is, I want to get ripped, I want to get strong, I want to look good in the mirror, and you go and work out one day and come back and look in the mirror later that day, you are going to be disappointed. But you keep that habit up of going to work out. You go work out three, four, five times a week. You get in the routine of it. You build that habit into your life. What's going to happen in a year? If you've worked hard and you've watched what you eat, you're going to be in a better place than you were a year before. We talked about last week how this goes for the good in our life and also goes for the bad. We talked about this idea, you, you sow and then you reap. You sow and then you reap. You sow and then you reap. Whatever you look at, whatever you think about, whatever you do on the daily determines who you become. And so today, I want to tackle a little bit this idea of community. Now, does anybody have a good idea of a definition of community? What's that? Doing life together. That's good. It's a little loose in like the the Webster Dictionary. It's like a bunch of people join together to do something and they care about each other. And, And it's interesting because you hear this idea of identity thrown around all over the place. Or not identity, community. And you hear somebody, I don't have community. What does that mean? I wish I had more community. I think when we say things like that, it means I don't have the relationships that I want in my life. 
I don't have these shared experiences, these shared visions, these shared support, these shared relationships and friendships in my life that I want to have. And I think right now, as a culture, we are in a community crisis. I asked the question on Facebook uh, Friday, I think. What's your struggle with community? What's your struggle with friendships? And I was surprised at the responses that I got. And I know there are 10 times more people who didn't comment that were watching that thread and going, yeah, I feel the same way. I get it. I think all of us have this idea of relationships and community that we feel it's lacking. And I struggle with this sermon, and maybe we'll do a whole series on it another time. But it's such a large topic. So today, I just want to kind of like bring it down to a couple points that will hopefully help us take the next couple steps. Why do we want community? I think it's pretty simple. This will be a very short point. But I think God created us that way. Right? Look at Genesis. Adam and Eve. He could have just created one and said, have fun with your lonely life. But there was something about the Trinity, Jesus, Holy Spirit, God, all coming together, creating husband and wife and joining them together in community in the fact that they were whole, they were complete. And then we see community fractured a little bit when they decide to believe the deceiver. They believed a lie. And then we see community get fractured. And then we see the whole rest of Scripture trying to get back to this original, beautiful picture of what community, relationship, friendship, intimacy all looks like. You see it all throughout Scripture. It turns out people don't do life very well alone. I don't think I have to argue too much, but I think we all understand that this is a part of who we are. We desire, we want to, we long to be connected in deep and profound ways. And I think it's interesting because culturally we are facing Some would say, I think I saw an article one day that said, yeah, we're going through a pandemic now, but we are also going through a pandemic of loneliness in our country, in our society. You don't have to have too many conversations to realize that we are profoundly lonely. Even though we're the most connected generation all across the entire globe, How is it that you can reach out and talk to anybody that you want? You could video call them. You can call them on the phone. You can message them. How is it that you can talk to whoever you want, whenever you want, and yet still feel incredibly lonely and isolated inside? I think you and I are created for relationship, created for community. Acts chapter 2. Verse 
Acts chapter 2, uh, we know Jesus uh, dies, rises again, comes back in the beginning of Acts and, and reinforces the, the mission that he sent his followers on. Go everywhere in the world. Go and preach. Go and make disciples. Go and baptize people. Holy Spirit falls, right? Thousands and thousands of people come to follow Jesus on that day in chapter 2. And at the end of Acts chapter 2, in verse 42, we start to get a picture of what the early church life looked like. For they devoted themselves. What does that sound like? A, what's the name of the series? Habit. They devoted themselves, which means on a daily, on a weekly, on a monthly, on a yearly basis, they devoted themselves to what? The teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers... All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property, possessions to give to anyone that had a need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Every day it was a habit that they devoted themselves to. What habits are you devoting yourself to? They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily. There was something so profound and unique about this small little community that was building up. And I think the way that they lived together the habits that they created and devoted themselves to set them apart from the rest of culture at the time. So much so that people would look at them and go, wow, there's something profoundly unique about this group of people. You can even follow it in Acts chapter 4. They're out preaching the gospel. They get threatened by the local authorities. Don't preach the gospel anymore. We're going to throw you in jail. They go to the leaders. The leaders say, don't preach anymore. They come back. This was a, a time when there was real persecution happening. They could actually be killed for what they were doing. They go back to the homes and pray with the believers. And there's boldness that fills the room. The Holy Spirit fills the room and shakes the place. And then it just reiterates what's going on in Acts chapter 2. They gathered together. They broke bread. They prayed together. They, they sold whatever they didn't need to provide for the community. As they lived by a different set of standards, as they developed these habits as a community, the rest of the culture looked at them and went, oh, this is so unique. Like everybody else is out for themselves. Everybody else... You're not like everybody else. There is something different. 
about the way that this community gathers, the way that this community loves, the way that this community is generous, the way that this community prays, and then they actually see what they pray for. This is amazing. I want to be part of what is going on here. And it started with a habit of a community that is, its foundation is Jesus. And we see verses about community and relationships and friendships all throughout the New Testament. Here's just a few. 1 Corinthians chapter 1.10. Appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you... Uh, that all of you agree, <laughs> that's a dream, isn't it? All of you agree with one another in what you say, church, this, I'm like, this would be amazing, wouldn't it? If we all could sit here and agree on something and say, yes, we're all in unity on this. It's interesting that this is basically a command from Paul that there's no divisions among you but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. Colossians 3.13, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against anybody else because Jesus forgave you, you should so forgive. Galatians 6.2, carry each other's burdens. In this way, you'll fulfill the law of Christ. James 5.16, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other that you may be healed. A prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Romans 12.5, though many form one body, each member belongs to all the others. Romans 12.16, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but willing to associate with people of a low position. Do not be conceited. 1 Peter 4, 8-11. Above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another. Invite each other into your homes. Without grumbling, each of you should use whatever gift you have to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God, even on social media. If anyone serves, they should do it with all the strength that God provides. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever and ever. Don't you wish that we could be that type of community? I don't know about you, but this is what people are starving for. Do you want to be part of a world that's different? Start here. If you're mad at the evangelicals, start here. If you wish the church would be something different, start here. This is where it starts. 
It doesn't start with blaming, attacking, escaping, avoiding. Those are all things that children do, and we're called to grow up. It starts here. It starts with you. It starts with me. It starts here. So we're made for community, for relationships, throughout the entire scriptures. There's this constant theme of community and relationships throughout every letter in the New Testament. It talks about being in relationship in a community with each other. Why is it so hard? Why? I think it's hard. I mean, there's personal reasons, right? There's insecurities. There's anxieties. There's fear. There's time. I just don't have enough time. Or how I'm structuring my time doesn't lead me to this. There's the way that we, we lack self-differentiating ourselves from others. So everything that someone else struggles with, we take on. There's a lot of personal reasons why we struggle in community. Like just think about it. What are the personal reasons of why you lack building community in your life? Why your relationships struggle? What are the personal reasons that run through that? All of them are valid. Because we experience them. There's also a lot of relational reasons, right? Maturity issues, drama, a lack of commitment, a lack of depth, a lack of priority. We could go on and on on a list. But there are all these issues. And it stems from, somebody said, one of the reasons why we have issues with communities because of sin, because of brokenness, because of how we operate. And I do think that's true. But I think we need to go further and actually start to name what are the personal things, what are the relational things that are keeping me from having the relationships that I want. It's keeping me from having the community that I want. There's this beautiful quote by Bonhoeffer in his book, Life Together. He says this, the person who loves their dream of community will destroy community. You know anybody like that? The person that loves their dream of community will destroy community. But the person who loves those around them will create community. If somebody asks you, I just want more community in my life. I'm just not satisfied with the level of community that I have. What should be the next question that you ask? Well, why? 
I love asking this question. I love trying to drill down a little bit because it really comes down to this. In this quote, I see over and over and over again, people who love their dream of community. So I have this dream that we're going to be this great community and there's going to be depth. We're going to support each other, carry each other's burdens. We're going to be generous. We're going to be this awesome community. And that's my dream. But often those dreamers aren't willing to put in the work. So you can have all the dreams about community you want. But it's the person that shows up and says, you know what? I'm going to love you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to put in the time. I'm going to put in the effort. I'm going to make the commitment. I'm going to take the sacrifice. I'm going to make this a priority in my life. Netflix can wait. I'm going to make this a priority. I'm going to make this a commitment. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to have clear communication. I'm going to give. See, community isn't something you stumble into. It's something you intentionally create. And I think the person that just has the dream about community, I think they're hoping to stumble into it. That's not how it works. It starts with creating this habit in your life of I'm going to love those around me. And you say, well, what does it take to love those around me? Well, first I gotta show up. I got a text, I got a call, I got to make this a priority. We've all had those relationships that, that we pour more into than we get back. Well, it's hard to have deep, profound community when you're not getting anything back. It takes clear communication, it takes sacrifice. And let's be honest, community is hard and relationships are hard. But do you believe it's worth it? I do. I want to talk about something here that, that I've been thinking about a lot. And hopefully this will help us maybe start to think in more practical terms about community. Uh, there's a book that I read a long time ago, back in my youth ministry days. And, and I thought it was good then, but I don't think I really caught how good it was. It's this book called The Search to Belong. And this book is written out of data, 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 I combine those two, data uh, that was, they started to look at what does community look like? What leads into community? How do people feel like, like what makes up community? And the author started this argument and he said, look, people overall are searching to belong somewhere. I think all of us would agree, we are searching to belong. We want to belong in a community. And he talks about there is four spaces that make up community that people are longing to belong in. We could put up that graphic there. And he actually said, 
with statistics and in data, you actually need all four of these spaces in your life to be a healthy human. And so he says this, there is a public space of community, which is 70 plus. There is a social space of community, which is about 20 to 50. There's a personal space of community, which is 5 to 12. And there is an intimate space, which is 2 to 4 people. And he said, you need all these levels of community to be a healthy adult. When you don't have all of these levels of community, you start to struggle. And it's interesting because the level of which people find community, relationship, a connectedness in each of these spaces is based on how they perceive it and how they engage with it. Have you ever been to an amazing concert? Back in high school, I went to Garth Brooks. Any Garth Brooks fans? He knows what's up. <laughs> Most amazing concert I have ever been to. And I remember <laughs> sitting there, singing with thousands and thousands of people. And it felt intimate. It felt like we were connected. I think many of us have experienced the same thing. So to say that community, deep relational community, can only happen in groups of two to four is misleading. And I think I agree with the author when he goes, we as humans need all of these spaces of community because they all achieve something slightly different. How many of you have also been in a one-on-one conversation? And it's like you're just two ships passing by. And this person may even be vulnerable and crying and all this stuff. And you're just sitting there like, I just don't get it. Maybe that's me as a guy. I don't know. But the point is, we can be in an intimate space and still be lacking community. You can be in a coffee shop where there's 20 other people sitting at a table with one person in front of you and you are having this deep and profound conversation in which you both feel very intimate in that conversation even though you are in a social space. It depends on how you perceive it and how you engage it. There are people that sit in here. Maybe there's 100 people. And some people will walk away going, wow, that was so awesome. I felt so connected. I felt so loved. I felt so cared for. The worship was amazing. Like, I really felt community. And then there's others that will walk out and go, eh, didn't really feel it. It matters how we perceive and how we engage. 
that determines the level of community, relationality, connectedness that you and I feel. So I think it's interesting. Like, why do I bring this up? Because I think this is a very important part of the dialogue. When we say, we wish we had more community, we lack community, I want more community, what kind of community are you looking for? Because if you're looking to cultivate an intimate community space, coming to church is going to be part of it and may lead you to it. But you need to be intentional about finding that one to two other people that you can really dig down and talk about life with. Vice versa, maybe you have that intimate, you have your intimate relationships, like you have your one to three people that you really live life with and share life with, and you're going, I'm good on that part, I feel good, my tank is full, but really I'm looking for a larger public space of people who can share my cares, share my vision, and we can chase after something together. So the question is, what space are you looking for? Like if, if someone were to ask you, how do you want deeper community in your life, deeper relationships, what space would you respond with? Here's the other important part about uh, this this book that he talked about. Uh, Don't judge others for the space of community that they're looking for. Does that make sense? Or don't judge yourself for that. Because this is a pretty uh, plain thing. What space am I looking for? The next question, what's getting in the way of you finding that space? And this is a very key question. Because this could be some of those personal reasons. I'm insecure. I'm anxious. I don't like anybody. (laughs) I'm an introvert. I'm an extrovert. We like to come up with a lot of excuses. But I think the key is taking a step back and going, I want to be in these spaces. I need to cultivate these spaces in my life. And here is what's getting in the way of me doing it. Maybe it's simply a time issue is you look at your life on a weekly basis and you go, I don't know how to find time to do this. To to which I would respond, either you make it, you tell other things no, and you say, this is a priority that I am going to do, 
just like any other habit we want to do in our life. Or this might not be the right season for this space of community. You might want to wait until this season is over to look for that type of community. So, what, communi- what space are you looking for? What's getting in the way of you finding that space? And then what's your next step you're willing to take? Your, your next step might be, man, I don't know what space I'm looking for. I know I'm not happy. I know I'm not satisfied with my level of community and relationships in my life. I don't know what space. Then maybe you need to take emotionally healthy spirituality. Because that will help sort it out for you. Or maybe your next step is counseling. I got this issue that keeps coming up in every relationship that I have. Every time I try to have communal space, either intimately or in a small group setting, I keep running into these things and I really need to go see a counselor to help me figure out why I'm thinking and feeling what I am. And what to do about it. What's the next step you're willing to take? And this is a key one because I think we're always focused on ourselves. We are inherently selfish. But what are you willing to give? Because guess what? In the kingdom of God, it's not all about you. It's not all about what you feel. Sometimes we need to begin with giving and know that our heart's going to catch up. I want to have these questions up there for you to think through a little bit and pray through as the worship team comes up. I want to close us in prayer. Jesus. You call us to relationship with you and with others. Jesus, you've created us that we are healthy. When we're in relationship with you and with others. And Jesus, if we're very honest, this is often the area in which most of us struggle. Is finding deep community, finding deep relationships. And Jesus, I pray you lead us. To pray through these questions, to think about these questions, to talk about these questions with our friends, with the people you live with, with your spouse. Hey, I'm looking for X space. Now what's getting in the way? And what am I willing to do about it? And how am I willing to give? In your name we pray. Amen.